Hi everyone, welcome to Daily Gospel Exegesis. This is the Catholic Bible study where we look at the text of Scripture and really try to get into the details of the text. What is it teaching us on the literal level of the text? And that's where we always want to start as Catholics. And so this podcast is all about helping you understand more deeply the Gospels that you hear each day at Mass. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and it has helped you, understand the Gospels on a deeper level and get to know Jesus better, which is, of course, the goal of our podcast, then please can I encourage you to tell more people about it. This is a small ministry, and the only way that more people can hear about it is by you, the listeners, spreading the word about it. It's not supported by a parish or a diocese, so there's no money coming in to support the marketing of this. It all just comes from listener support and listener promotion. So if you believe other Catholics would benefit from this, or you think others who aren't Catholic might be blessed by this, then please share one of your favorite episodes with them. And hopefully they really like it too. So today we're looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. Quite a well-known passage. Jesus got into the boat, followed by his disciples. Without warning, a storm broke over the lake, so violent that the waves were breaking right over the boat. But he was asleep. So they went to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are going down. And he said to them, Why are you so frightened, you men of little faith? And with that he stood up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and all was calm again. The men were astounded and said, Whatever kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So we have the short version of this today. Mark's version of this event is a little longer. Let's start by thinking about the context. We're in Matthew chapter 8. What has Jesus been up to? Well, he's just started to do various healings in the Galilee region. So he's healed a leper as well as the centurion's servant, as well as Peter's mother-in-law. So there's a whole series of healings here that Matthew wanted his readers to know about so that they would better get to know Jesus and his divine identity. Verse 23, so Jesus is in the Galilee region. Jesus got into the boat, followed by his disciples. Notice it says Jesus got into the boat, not a boat. So that would imply that this is something Jesus does regularly. There's a boat that he and his disciples use all the time, apparently. And we know that he does stand on the boat and teach the shores, uh, teaches to the shore from the boat. That is something that he does quite often, according to Mark's gospel. So they probably had a regular boat that they used a lot, maybe one of James and John's boats, because they came from quite a wealthy fishing business. So they get in the boat Now, Mark's account tells us that earlier in the day, Jesus had been preaching in Capernaum on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. So if you look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, in this account, Jesus starts on the western shore and he's about to go across to the eastern side. It appears that Jesus knows the storm is about to happen because he doesn't actually give them a reason why they should cross. He just says, let's go across. So maybe he already knows that the storm is coming. Verse 24, without warning, a storm broke over the lake so violent that the waves were breaking right over the boat. Now, this isn't just a storm. It's not even just a bad storm. The Greek word here that we have as storm is actually seismos, which means earthquake. So there's literally a shaking going on. This is a huge, huge storm. 
Now, that makes sense because the Sea of Galilee, although it was just a lake and it was only about six or seven miles across, it was known to have massive storms because the wind would whip down the hills in the surrounding area, causing these quite significant storms. And fishers on the Sea of Galilee, even today, will tell you that that still happens. Now, there might also be a demonic element here, making the storm even stronger, as we'll see. But Jesus was asleep. Many scholars point out that this is showing Jesus' humanity, that he's sleeping, and that he needs sleep, like most people. So, and if you read Mark's version of this, you'll know that probably the reason he's asleep is because he's been preaching all day to the crowds, so he's tired. And some scholars point out the fact that Jesus can sleep through this storm is in itself a miracle, a miracle that we don't talk about. And his untroubled sleep shows his perfect trust in God. There's some Psalms in the Old Testament which talk about those who perfectly trust in God have untroubled sleep. And perhaps that's what uh, Jesus is showing us here. He has untroubled sleep because he completely trusts God. But the disciples don't. So verse 25, they went to him and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are going down. The fact that the disciples are panicking indicates this is quite a serious storm because many of them are professional fishermen. They are used to having storms on the Sea of Galilee all the time, but they're still panicking here. So there must be something much more serious about this storm. Why is Jesus sleeping and why doesn't he seem stressed? Well, probably Jesus knew that God would preserve them through the storm. He knew that all was going to be okay. That's why he went to sleep. Verse 26, he said to them, Why are you so frightened, you men of little faith? So by saying this, by saying you men of little faith, Jesus implies that the correct response during the storm would have been for the apostles to trust that God would preserve them through it rather than panic. That would have been a better response, trusting God. Notice there that Jesus says, ye of little faith. And so the connection there is to God. And so perhaps Jesus is teaching his apostles that the storm is both under God's control and under his control. That might be implied here. Another interpretation of his words here, you men of little faith, is that maybe he expected his apostles to trust him directly. He had called them to complete a task on the other side of the sea. He'd said, he had said to them, we're going over the other side. So maybe he expected them to trust him, that they would make it to the other side. They should have known that he would not let them perish in the sea. And with that, he stood up and rebuked the winds. Now, this term rebuked, it's the same word that's used when Jesus casts out demons. So possibly this verse might imply that the storm is from Satan. That would make sense, given that Jesus has just began to go around preaching the kingdom of God and and Satan does not like that. Satan, in fact, tries to stop Jesus preaching the kingdom of God in various different ways. And this might be one of his attempts to stop the preaching of the kingdom of God, is to have them all thrown into the sea. Keep in mind, Satan probably doesn't know the full extent of Jesus' identity. So Jesus rebuked the winds and all was calm again. Now, this echoes Psalm 107, verses 28 to 29. Here's what that psalm says. In their distress, they cried to the Lord, who brought them out of their peril, hushed the storm to a murmur. The waves of the sea were stilled. Notice there's a really clear connection here to this very situation. Those words seem to almost be a prophecy of what Jesus would do here. So this miracle is what's called a nature miracle. It shows that Jesus has power over nature. 
This is Jesus' biggest miracle so far, and it's why the disciples are so shocked by it. For the readers of Matthew's Gospel, this miracle would prompt them to think about who they think Jesus is. What is Jesus' identity? Because in the Jewish understanding, only God has power over nature. So this episode would have really got them thinking. Verse 27, the men were astounded. More literally what it says here is they feared a great fear. So while the disciples before were afraid of nature, now they're afraid of the presence of God in Jesus. But it's kind of like a reverent fear. They've just witnessed a man controlling nature and they start to realize this man has the power of God. So they say, whatever kind of man is this, even the winds and the sea obey him. Now, at this stage, they don't realize that he's more than just a man. They do not yet worship him as the son of God, though they would a little later on in the gospel. Jesus reveals his divine identity to them gradually. And of course, Matthew, as the gospel author, is constantly inviting his readers to consider who they believe Jesus to be. Who is this man who can control the waves and the sea? And we are being asked the same question. Now, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, which is one of the sources I use in preparing these episodes, points out something really interesting about this passage, which is that there's a lot of parallels to the story of Jonah. So I'm going to quote here from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible about this passage in Matthew chapter 8. Here Jesus reveals his divine authority over creation. Jesus' stilling of the storm parallels the experience of Jonah in the Old Testament. Both set sail on a boat. Secondly, both are caught in a storm on the sea. Thirdly, both are found asleep. Number four, both are accompanied by frightened sailors. Number five, both groups call of, of sailors call upon the Lord for deliverance. Number six, both are instrumental in bringing about a great calm. Number seven, and the sailors in both episodes marveled at the outcome. Jesus' identity as a new Jonah is mentioned elsewhere in chapter 12 of Matthew and chapter 16 of Matthew. So I think this is probably correct. Matthew wants us to see Jesus as a kind of new Jonah here. It's a very similar situation to what Jonah experienced in chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. So it's well worth reading this passage in connection with Jonah 1. This story might have been deliberately included in Matthew as a specific encouragement to early Christians. The small and struggling early church often felt that they were being tossed around by the vast Roman Empire, and perhaps they felt like Jesus was asleep on the job. So the message for them, if that's the right interpretation, is that in the end, nothing can truly harm those who trust in him. Now, if that's a right interpretation, that would be a spiritual sense of the text. Matthew has not made up this story in order to make that point. It would just be that it's an additional meaning Uh, that we can draw from the event that really did happen on the literal level. So where does this appear in the Catechism? There's one brief place where we see Jesus calming the storm referenced in the Catechism. Paragraph 2610, which is about Jesus' own prayers. Jesus is saddened by the lack of faith of his own neighbours and the little faith of his own disciples, as he is struck with admiration at the great faith of the Roman centurion, and the Canaanite woman. So here we see the Catechism reminding reminding us of an important theme in the Gospel of Matthew, which is that those who you would expect to believe and have faith often do not, 
and those who you would least expect to have faith, like the centurion and the Canaanite woman, are the ones that show true faith. And we'll explore that more as we continue to move through Matthew. Thank you once again for supporting the ministry and listening today. Remember, you can get access to exclusive content through our Patreon page, which is in the show notes. And I'd encourage you to really think about whether you can support this ministry financially. Even a small amount per month helps us produce more podcasts and get uh, the word, the word of God out into more hands and help Catholics understand their Bibles better. Thanks again for listening. Please tune in again as we continue in Matthew tomorrow.